We've never seen a perfect marriage. But we have seen marriages that are full of laughter and life. Conflict and misunderstandings. Growth and hope. We want to dive into the nuts and bolts of those relationships. There are no experts here. Just real talk with real couples who really like each other. This is Marriage Lab with Aaron and Jenna. Hey, welcome to Marriage Lab. This is Jenna, and I beat Aaron to doing the welcome. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to let you do it from now on. That was way better than what I do. <laughs> well, no, how so? Because mine is usually like, welcome to Marriage Lab. It's <laughs> kind of boring, I think. So. Well, they'll have to check their speed to see if it's like times three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, nope, it's just Jenna. <laughs> just Jenna. Um... Oh, we I mean, didn't we decide what we we're going to talk nope, about. We <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. You know, um, you know, it's interesting. We're in the, we're in the season. Actually, I'm going to talk about this. I am in a season of. I actually have three jobs right now, and it's interesting because um, it's decreased like my hangout time, and it's decreased like mm, family time. Fa- yeah, I was just actually. In like on nights and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel more intentional. I don't mm. actually think it's decreased that much family time. I think it's more in- decreased. Like I don't do anything at nights with friends like I used to. Mm. So I'm like, maybe I'm out the same amount, but like it's not friends anymore. But it's interesting because like I have, it's been a challenge. Like initially when I started it, I felt a little bit of self-pity because it wasn't the plan to have three jobs. It was going to like be swapping off. And then it just ended up that I wasn't able, I'm going to have three for a while. Um, and I just really felt like the Lord convicted me of like, I'm in a season of like, I don't know, thinking about farmers, like planting, like we always think about the harvest, like in the fall and how they're these huge plants with all this fruit or wheat. <laughs> Whenever they're harvesting, you know so much the about berries. agriculture. I thought berries. I was like, that's not realistic. Maybe, I don't know. So, anyways, we think about that, but he's like, so often we like want the microwave process to get there mm-hmm. versus not thinking like if you fast, like rewind the three seasons before. There's the like tilling the field and pulling the rocks out and the weeding it and the like watering it every day and then like nurturing it every day to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like really like that's actually the season that I'm in, and it's our culture slash our mindset of like, we want the, we want the harvest without doing the work. And I just realized mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I just felt like the Lord, like I'm in a season of sewing and laboring and I feel really okay about that. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's not hard and I'm right. working more hours than I have in a while. But I think because I had, I've started a business before, so I have turbines for tots. And then it got to a point where it was pretty, it was more like I was reaping the benefit. It was like I was mm-hmm. living in the harvest oh, yeah. where I wasn't having to work very much for the income I was bringing. And now I'm back in a working season. I think I have the vision for like, I do it and it will pay off and I will get. So right now I'm working, I'm doing turbines for tots. I'm health coaching. And then I'm working at our local airport and I have like, there's a reason I'm doing all three jobs and I can see the purpose. And it's like, mm-hmm. even in the day to day or the weeks that it's like a ton of hours, like I know where I'm headed and it's, interesting because i just feel like i don't have permission to go into self-pity if that Mm. makes sense like it doesn't mean that i'm i can't give myself compassion for days that i feel tired or worn out or take more naps or do the things that like i think that's different from i'm realizing than self-care so self-pity and self-care like there i doesn't mean i need to not take care of myself in this season and have maybe extra like cushion for the self-care so that i can I am fueling myself like physically, mentally, emotionally to be able to do the harder laboring season I'm in. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean like I could still do all the right things and have a like a 
pity attitude and it wouldn't actually refresh me. Can you describe me. what a pity attitude is? Yeah, like, like um, oh, my friend, like I'm missing out on things or this is not fun and terrible. It's it's interesting. I remember like, this is funny, but like I remember when I was in college one time mopping the floors and uh, my job, I worked at a restaurant and being like, oh, this is like so not fun. Like, oh, I can't believe I was going to mop the floors. And I realized like, that's really not that big a deal. And if I just changed my attitude, um, so then I started like singing or something and trying to intentionally change my attitude. And then I did it every time I'm mopping the floors and I never dreaded it again. And just wow. while I was like, nothing changed. I just, my like mindset and self-talk around the task. So I think that's what I'm doing is I'm just not letting myself go to like victim. Like I chose mm-hmm. this. I chose three jobs. It's for mm-hmm. purpose. It's not for forever. Uh, it is hard, but here's how I'm benefiting. And here's how I'm like adjusting for the, I don't know. So I think that's my season. I think sometimes, I know it sounds funny, but I think we're kind of, as a culture, can be afraid of hard work. Like we want the payout, but we don't want the, like I think that feels like my grandparents' generation. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of times. They understood hard work because they didn't have like the stuff, getting the stuff real fast like we are. Yeah. Yeah. We all like idealize entrepreneurship like so many people, but Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, because I've obviously started one business now starting a second with my health coaching, like realizing that you don't get to success without, there's no skipping. There's no skipping the hard work for sure. (laughs) The 80 hour weeks that you put in with turbines for tots. Oh my gosh. um, Crying at the airport at midnight or not the airport, sorry, post office at midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's true. But then I think because I know it it can happen again, it will like I'm building to something. I'm not just like running myself into the ground. Like I'm building something. Yeah, I think that's it, really good. It's a different perspective. Huh. I know it's affected you a lot, so I'm I'm grateful that you've actually I don't know if I told you this, but I felt really um I was processing with my small group. I felt really like loved and seen more in mm. this season because at the airport's the first job I've had in a while well a decade that I've had to be out of the house. And that has meant that Aaron gets the kids ready a couple mornings a week without me for sc- for school. And then he has to do bedtime solo a couple mornings. Or so it's usually like four shifts total. Um, but like, it's I don't feel mom guilt around it. Where before, or mm-hmm. like with if, if it's social or something else, I would feel this like guilt and shame and it would like whatever. But now it's because I'm doing a job, it feels like legal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. But then like, I feel so... I feel like we're more partners mm. in the child load, even with your helping picking them up. And I feel like more supported mm. than I have before. And it's not because you weren't willing. It's just, I've, it's almost me getting over myself and asking for help yeah. where before, like now it feels like, Oh, this is justified for, which I kind of wish I could get the mindset without having, sure, yeah. but having actually scheduled hours that I can't control or shift yeah. has reduced my guilt and enabled me to ask for help where I probably could have used it more in other seasons, but right. I feel really like supported by you. And I just oh, wanted to tell good. you like, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for making us money <laughs> and getting us sweet benefits. Always. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will be, I, you signed up for sugar mama for like, yeah, a hundred percent. This one time guys, our life insurance, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. guy, he called and he called Aaron. I was trying to get him to increase his life insurance policy. And he was like, Which talk I'm to your like, wife. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to really take care of my wife here. Um, that I'm was increase, the guy's angle. Yeah. And which, you know, it's, it's legit. It's true. Yeah, totally. And so I was like, he's like, um, he's like, so you, you want to go ahead and do it? And I was like, I should probably talk to my wife. He's like, your wife is not going to, uh, be upset at you increasing the amount of money she would get, you know? And I was like, 
well, you the my fact, wife. yeah, you don't know my wife because it costs us money now, and she will be thinking about it. He's like, he's like, no, and it wasn't much really, but nonetheless, I was like, no, I really, I really should ask her first. So I texted you, and then you responded, um, no, I don't want to pay that extra fourteen bucks a month, no matter how many hundreds of thousands of dollars, because if you die, I'll replace your income in a year. <laughs> and I, I like held the phone up and showed him. He's like. Is she serious? I'm like, yep. <laughs> it was so funny because I wasn't being a jerk. I just I was like, oh, he dies. I'm just gonna have to work harder. So no, let's yeah. not, let's save the fourteen dollars. <laughs> Freaking fourteen dollars. <laughs> okay, it was one of those not like brilliant life pulse. Anyways, there's more to it. Than yeah, that, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll replace his income in a year. So he was like, wait, is she serious? <laughs> You're like, I've told you I've met my wife yeah, before. Yeah, you don't know her. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, okay. On this episode, we have my sister and brother-in-law, yes. the Bakers. We um, love them. So fun fact, Emily, Aaron's sister's name is Emily, and she lived in Reading with us when we were first married. Like she lived in the same town, but Aaron did a job where he worked overnights. So Emily and I got to be really, really close because she was single. She's like his younger sister mm-hmm. and she would spend the night or we would just do a lot of social things together because I was husbandless for a couple days a week. So she became, it was awesome way to start. And getting to know your sister-in-law because I got her to know got to know her really well. And then since then they've they moved away after Rosie, but we're really good friends. So we like love after them. Rosie, our second daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're like, uh-oh. Uh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Their plans were before Rosie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm super excited about it. So let's get into it. Emily and Sam Baker, everybody. Yeah. Start at the very beginning. Welcome to Marriage Lab. We have Emily and Sam Baker here. Welcome, guys. Hey, hey. Hello. They're special guests because they are related to, well, not both of them. That'd be awkward since they're married. But Emily. <laughs> Emily is my sister and Sam is my cousin. Okay. <laughs> and my uncle, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> JK. Oh no, we have no relation other than by law. <laughs> to Sam. He is really sisters yes. with Emily, though. Yeah. What's your age difference? Is it like. Less than two years. Me right? and Emily, yeah. it's a year and a... 18 months. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a home video of my first birthday and my mom announcing to everyone that she was pregnant yeah. with you. I, you guys were really close growing up, right? Are you, like, um, We got That's close. a unique... <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, after, we had each other. After high school? In high school. Yeah, no, I was like... We would have moments of closeness, but I was... I tortured her quite a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I legitimately... <laughs> thought and told him many times i hate you oh did you yeah because i was so felt powerless and you know he's my older brother bigger than me physically and can do whatever he wants such as pin me down and drool Oh, my face. sometimes I, I hear these stories and I think, I'm like, don't judge 17 year old Aaron. It's okay. I think I didn't do that when I was 17. <laughs> no, Those, this was all pre, I think, seventh grade and younger. Oh, yeah. that's a yes. lot better. Um, but I do think that's probably why I cried when I found out that my mom, which I had begged her for years to have another baby. I was desperate, thought I was going to have a sister because that's what I wanted. I wanted a girl. And I cried when I found out that it was another boy 
But and then we got baby Nick, <laughs> and we got baby Nick, so and I love him. The most energy of any <laughs> little kid that yes. I'd ever met. No, but we did get really close actually around eighth grade. Both, well, sorry, eighth grade for me, yeah, um, sophomore, sophomore year for me because yeah, we both met Jesus. Yeah, really. Uh, we, I mean, we grew up in the church, but we went to a winter retreat that we both had like an encounter with God. The whole youth group mm-hmm. did, and so after that, I remember in high school, a kid came up to me. He's like. Why do you and your sister treat each other so well? Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, I honestly, I think it's Jesus. And he's like, he's like, me and my brother can, like, we never get along. And so he's asking me all these questions and yeah. it was cool. Like, I was like, oh, this is one of those literal like witnesses. By our fruit. Yeah. They will know you by your fruit. Yeah. But we literally, yeah, we had lunch every day during high school Aww. until, well, he was two years ahead of me. So he right. graduated and that was miserable thereafter. So I just thought, oh, is that what's missing in our children's friendship with each other? Is Jesus. We got to add a sprinkle a little bit more Jesus in yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember asking Audrey, she was like probably four, Rosie's age. And I was like, so do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? She's like, no. I was like, um, why not? She's like, he's not going to fit in there. I was like, oh, crap. I have no idea how to explain theology (laughs) to a four-year-old. And then she was like, do the birds like to eat Jesus's head when he goes outside? We're like, what? And then she's like, but because birds like cheese, right? And I was like, do you think his name is Jesus? So we're winning. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the other day I caught Kinley doing something that she has been told multiple times she's not supposed to do. And when I asked her, and I'm trying to use these new connection code <laughs> words of what happened? Yeah. What am I missing? Well, Jesus made me do it. And I was like, oh, good goodness. I don't know where we messed up on that one. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So the other half of your relationship is Sam. Yes. And you guys are super different, right? Yeah, super, yeah. super different. About as opposite as you could get. Yeah. It's, um, go on. Oh, you're good. I'm a extrovert, uh, high energy. Um, not that you don't have energy, right. but it's high energy. Dud. Um, super, super competitive. Um, <laughs> really? I'm from, I'm from Indiana, so I'm a Midwest boy. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I. You're uh, the spender. I am the spender. Definitely the spender. For those of you who know Aaron and Jenna's dynamic, Aaron and I are like two peas in a pod. We are very similar. Right. And Jenna and Sam are two peas in a pod. They're very fine. similar. Right. They're Got different it. on the Enneagram, but they probably are very similar on a lot of the other personalities. I actually, well, Emily and I were best friends before she met Sam. And we at one point decided in our friendship she should find a male me yep. and that, because the friendship works so well. And then she did. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So I really like him, obviously. <laughs> okay. How long have you guys been married? Seven years. Yeah. Seven years. Mm-hmm. And then you have two kids, yeah. Kinley, who's at four. Four Kinley's years four. old, and Cruz is 20 months. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say my daughter makes me cry. My my son just makes me laugh. Like, yeah. that's. And that's cry, good cry, because she's yes. so sweet. Yes. She is a sweetheart. Aww. Yeah. And Cruz is just hilarious and all boy. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah. Yeah, we discovered that one pretty quick. <laughs> We're like, oh no, testosterone actually does make a difference. It does, yeah. In a, in a baby. Yes. <laughs> Toddler. Oh my gosh, that's so true. All right. So I'm I wanted to have you guys on because um one, I it looks like you guys like each other. And that's important mm-hmm. to us. Yep, yep. 100%. Um and I know at one time you guys had a difficult time liking each other on a regular basis. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so 
What? It was just a funny, matter-of-fact way to put it. <laughs> okay. I feel yeah. A lot of us could say that. So um, what kind of difficulty did you have in your early years of marriage? Yeah. I think in the early part of marriage, uh, I mean, sex was definitely a thing for us. Like a, a not great Hard thing. Part. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so sex was one of those things, and we can touch base and get into that too. Um, and I think the other thing is like uh, with me – making the transition coming out here, we dated long distance. Mm -hmm. And so like we were super transparent and everything as we could be with each other. But then when you're actually living in the mm -hmm. same area, doing life with each other, I'm trying to build relationships because community is really important for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also like in that transition transition during that time, like there's a lot of tools I didn't have in the early part of marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I played a lot of mm -hmm. like the silence game, uh, if I was frustrated or I wouldn't let Emily in or you would just yeah. start to shut down hundred percent. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I remember and confrontation or yeah. I remember okay. early on people asking, you know, within the first year, like how's marriage, what's something you've <laughs> learned. And like, I always say I learned how I learned really quickly how selfish I was, oh, even though I would mm -hmm. not like I don't think anyone that I do life with would look at me and think, oh, my God, she's the most selfish person I know, like probably or would they would they never even, even use think, that as a descriptor. No, I'm just not blatantly selfish. But in terms of a marriage, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm selfish because I do not want to give up my right to X, Y, Z, or I do not want to lay down my defense or my pride or um yeah what was some fight. of the what was some of the oh do you have a specific fight <laughs> yeah, oh, he's so giggling our first fight was this was our biggest fight first the, and the first to initial this day, probably yeah. wow the most intense in wow. in ways yeah okay. so uh first year of marriage probably three or four months married at this point and I run hot. I just naturally run hot. Em's always cold. Oh, and like physically, not yeah, just well, physically. Hot. Hot. <laughs> yeah, that too. So I physically just run hot. And um, we actually live like in this. Uh, what, what, what would you call that? Like a for, uh, like a an attic turned apartment. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a glorified yes. studio. Right? I forgot yeah. you got. I yeah. cannot believe I forgot that you lived it was on short, top of us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys never heard us upstairs, huh? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> the brother ears tuned it out. If we did. Um, and so we were laying in bed one time and I was really freaking hot. We have covers. And of course I have them off of me, yeah. um, but I actually really want them on me because I like when it's cold and I can actually oh, cover okay. up. Right? Back up. This is like a converted attic. So it has a window unit yeah. as its only source of air. So yeah. when it's on, it is just a wind tunnel of cold air. So great. <laughs> I I literally thought that sounds amazing. Yeah, it did. <laughs> we were also not in bed. We were sitting watching a movie, which to me is different because I love to be cold at night and cuddled up in the blankets. Uh -huh. But we were sitting watching a movie. Proceed. It started actually, it's funny. It started on the couch and it ended bed, but not a good way. Like it wasn't a good way at all. <laughs> so it did start on the couch and then the, the argument continued in bed. So what um, was the argument? So I was like, M. We like I can only take so many clothes off before I'm naked. Like, can we just please turn the air down? And she's like, uh, she's like, Sam, you're literally putting blankets on right now. And I was so annoyed because she wouldn't turn the air down. She we was like, she's cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it had gotten cold. like it had gotten really heated before yeah. he then 
decided airs on i can only take off so much clothes so you put on blankets and i'm like fine whatever and that's when he then sent down and like a few minutes later i'm saw him grab a blanket and cuddle up and i was like <laughs> so oh, oh, no. yep. you yep. cannot put blankets on more fuel and fire for sure <laughs> <laughs> when you're grabbing the blanket where you're like oh let's see how this nope, goes didn't feel bad think about it at all <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was looking for comfort he literally his words were literally what? I want to be comfortable. And I'm like, me too. I'm so cold. <laughs> Anyways. So you, was that, what What kind of tension was that? Like, was that, what happened in that dynamic? Did that kind of thing happen over and over? Um. Yeah. I think so. I think there's just a dynamic of your personality and my personality, me being more, um, I'm a one wing nine. And so I adapt a lot and, um, I am a perfectionist and stuff, but I allowed him, I didn't have much of a voice early on in our marriage. I feel like, um, I want him to be happy and I want to appease him. And so oftentimes I would end up feeling squelched and shut down. Mm. And I think, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And like, it would be the small thing. So it was never on purpose, but I, I did slowly start taking her voice away because I am so opinionated or I want something. So mm-hmm. example, it could be something small, like wanting to go out to eat. And so I would say like, Hey, where do you want to eat? You can pick tonight. <laughs> right. And she's like, she's like, well, I would love to do Taco Bell. I'm like, Oh, we could do Taco Bell or we could also <laughs> oh do this. <laughs> And give her those options. Yeah, hundred percent. Story of my life. <laughs> and I'm intuitive and understand that when he says, "Oh yeah, okay, well we can do that, or we could do this," and I'm like, "Well, that means he doesn't want to do it, and therefore I have no desire to go do something that I know he actively doesn't mm-hmm. want to do because that takes all the enjoyment away from so me." I would just. It would be easiest and best for everyone yes. if I just turned off. Yeah, and, if I just decide yeah. to go with whatever it was he actually had in mind. Yeah. Also, I don't go to Taco Bell often. That was a poor example. <laughs> I would, I would want to like add that caveat to it. Don't represent maybe, me with Taco maybe Bell. Maybe back then that was the case, yeah, but did, not anymore. You did enjoy your bean burrito. <laughs> me too. It must be a Phoenix thing. It was. did too. We would yeah. break our, we would fast on Wednesday nights because we were like crazy spiritual. All day. And then for our, uh, all day for our youth group, but we would break it every Wednesday night at, at Taco Bell. Yeah. With makes half sense. the youth group, it felt like. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. anyways, anyways, so that kind of stuff came up. Fairly. Yeah, that stuff, that kind of stuff came up often. And um, I think the biggest thing, like just through counseling during that time, through us having conversations through like community that did start to build in Reading mm-hmm. uh, men's group uh, that actually you lead today, like was a big part of that mm-hmm. is, is actually realizing like, so examples, I would come home from work. And so I would tell her like, Hey, I want 20 minutes before like we even like talk or anything because I actually, I thought it would be so I could go give her something, but it's actually because I didn't really want to open up right now. And I don't feel like talking right now or being transparent. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of things like, like anytime I felt pain, I would just try to push through. That's how I grew up. I was competitive, played sports, um, uh, you know, like in our family, how we get around things is we, we joke and we were sarcastic about things. Mm-hmm. Um, so very like passive aggressive kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so for me opening up to her and letting her know like, Hey, like I'm hurt right now or Hey, whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. that was a tough part of marriage. So like, uh, every time I, I felt like she was getting close, I would start to shut down. Mm-hmm. And so she would ask more and more questions or like wanting to know what's going on. And then at some point, uh, she started getting louder because I'm not hearing her. Right. And, oh. um, 
And then from there, I would resort back to how I grew up as far as being passive aggressive and cutting okay. um, to get her to either stop talking or, or um, make it to where she feels as if like uh, she's the one who's at fault right now. Mm. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot of that. And, think- and that was kind of a cycle. And that started breaking over time through like counseling mm-hmm. through things like that, where we were getting yeah. in a much healthier spot uh, for sure. I think too, like, um, one of Sam is very outgoing, extroverted, loves talking to people. I mean, it's one of the things I'm attracted to him about. And so he would use a lot of that at work. He was in sales. So he talks all day, he gives all day, he pours out, and then mm-hmm. he would come out home and have like very little, if any, to give. Mm-hmm. And this was in early years when we didn't have kids or anything. And I would just, ex- I had an expectation that when you come home, we get to connect and hang out and have fun, and like whatever. And so I think I, would get so hurt by him coming home and being shut down and not wanting to like connect. And I took it as like, I'm not fun and I'm an Mm. inconvenience and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that I think had played into a number of our fights as the years went on Mm. of um, the same thread of me feeling like an inconvenience to him came out in a number of different ways. Um, No, it's a, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I interrupted you. I was just going to say it's that, common story that I've told in my head for a lot of years in our marriage. Okay. And I was going to ask that sounds, I, it sounds familiar. It sounds like a common thread that you've told your story. You've told mm-hmm. yourself even prior to being married. Mm-hmm. I'm no fun. Mm-hmm. I, etc. cetera. Oh, yeah. Can yeah. Do you hit on that real quick? Like, yeah. Where did that um, come from? I felt like over the years, um, growing up, I was told many times that you're so shy. You're so shy. You don't talk that much. And I, took on this identity as I'm shy, I don't talk, and ultimately what equated to I'm no fun, Mm -hmm. my personality is boring, nobody would actually like to hang out with me or something. That's ultimately how I, even though I had close friends and stuff, but I just was very reserved and shy. And then it didn't help that then as the years go on and I take these personality tests and I'm in an environment that celebrated and loved the high extroverts and the high eyes. And because they're the ones that are seen, they're the ones that are funny. They're the ones that go to parties. And then I'm this like on literally I was in a class where they were trying to give personas to the different uh, personality types. And mine was the um, villain in a movie. And (laughs) what? Yeah. And it was, a. I think the person got called out on like, Hey, that was a really poor example. And I was, it just, it, it stuck yeah, with you, though. It did. Yeah. And not like that I'm a villain, but just like, well, once again, I am boring. I am no mm. fun. Nobody likes me. And I literally, like, I don't know if you may cut this out, but being vulnerable here, mm. I knew I was insecure in my looks in the sense that I had a wrong security in how I looked and that I was like, thank God I at least am pretty or else nobody would like me because I'm such a boring person was ultimately what I told myself over the years. Um, And so obviously I knew my husband loved me, but I'm sure over that would come into play then when he would come home. And I even remember when we were dating and it coming like just these feelings of he would come home, he's drained, he wants to just kind of veg. And that's his, his trigger point is freedom, feeling a need or having a need for freedom. And so when he would come home and have to be on duty, then as a husband, he no longer had the freedom of a single person. And that just caused a lot of tension, I think. Right. It's so interesting what like the things I think a lot of times people before marriage think that marriage will fix some stuff, but Mm -hmm. like you 
you bring in not only like baggage of past you know relationships but like your own insecurities or the your own unanswered questions Mm -hmm. and that you are constantly hearing him answer am i interesting enough oh it's a no again am i interesting enough oh it's a no again and then like if you don't actually get healing from them like it doesn't they're the spouse isn't going to answer those like it's totally like a jesus you identity thing but you don't recognize it. I'm not you. I'm ubiquitous. Like I have my own things. Because even if Sam was to come home and just be like interested in you, there they he cannot answer mm-hmm. that question yeah. for you. And that even has been a point of tension in our marriage. Like I would say, I tend to I'm more on the ha- the glasses half empty. I'm a pessimistic, mm. and he would say like I can do like ten things right and then one time do something wrong, and that's the thing that sticks out to you. Mm. And I think figuring realizing like well yeah because it's the not that that's okay but it is because i've or it is that way for me because it's saying it's um confirming that thing that i've already been struggling with that one time is like confirming Uh, this big deep rooted thing that i've already been struggling with even though these other 10 times i think there's also a part of me that's like just waiting for the other shoe to drop that Mm -hmm. when is that time that yeah you mean that now but when is that but when you discover really who i am yeah. And so um the those first couple of years in Reading, um, it was before you guys moved back to Indiana, like how would you say that period of time compared to when you actually moved? Yeah, I think um the beginning part of, of Reading, like there was some definitely some tensions. Um yeah, so as we saw sought counseling, like individually we both did. Um, I was going to men's group, like we really started grabbing tools. Mm-hmm. And so I would say like our first year, year and a half of marriage was probably pretty like rough. Like it didn't start off well either because I dropped the ball on our wedding night. Oh, um, uh, oh. Totally different story. But anyways, uh, so, but the last year and a half was probably great. So like in California, I really like, I look back at it um, as kind of a really good incubator for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it really helped us have a lot of really good tools. Um, helps us Learn help me tools. be vulnerable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so that was really, really big. Like, And not feeling like I need to be like the best at something um, or like her, like we used to fight in board games all the time. Like we rarely fight in board games today. Like, you know, like, um, but yeah, so like there's been progress, which is really cool. Um, So you really answer your question though. No, but you, uh, that's, I did want to hear that because I know Reading wasn't all bad for you guys. Like as much as we are focusing on the tension that was there now, you said you'd look back on it with some fondness, like, oh, we actually gained a lot out Mm -hmm. of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So vulnerability, I know there's a lot that you gained, but vulnerability was a big part for you, like learning to open up. Emily, what do you think you got out of the first few years? Did Um, you find your voice more? Yeah, I think I had already been on a journey of finding my voice before fi- mm-hmm. uh, meeting Sam. Like, mm-hmm. I'd, obviously, this is my entire childhood of hearing this voice of you are boring. No one likes you. I mean, I remember even hanging out with you, Jenna, and we became best friends. But there, but I didn't really want to ever hang out with any of your other friends because I was like, Jenna likes me, but I doubt her friends are going to. Like, it just was mm, wow. so deeply rooted in me. Um, and I, I didn't know that. You never told me that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was just innate. It wasn't a hey. Let me tell you this piece of information. You probably it just didn't was, articulate it very no, much yeah, or no. often or maybe. I think ever. what was he, so th- this was prior to marriage. But when we came out, when I came out to Reading, I came out with um, about six of my best friends, and we lived together. And part of my identity was in this group of friends, and yeah. we were very close. Um, like love my 
history with them. Um, so first year I was set, I had my community, I had my friends, I didn't need any other friends, didn't really make any other friends. Then they go off and we all just felt called to different places. Some of them went into missions, some of them went to another, um, school of ministry, some went home. I felt called to stay in second year. And so it was my first time being removed from that friend group and having to learn how to find my identity in the Lord and find who he really called me to be. So it was, even though I talk about it still playing out in our marriage, it was a years of journey. Um, But then in marriage, it definitely was, yes, me figuring out how to have a voice. And I think that is still very much a part of our current journey is what does it look like for me to love well and be heard? I mean, it's still a process. So even in the midst of gaining ground, because that question is not like that question still pops up in your mind. So it doesn't feel like 100% resolved, but it took you, gosh, 20 years Mm -hmm. to gain that mindset. It's going to take you some time to unlearn how like that was a coping, like you Mm -hmm. had, you got in a reward internally from stating that like it kept Mm -hmm. you safe. It kept you from getting rejected or humiliated because you would never Mm -hmm. show up fully as yourself. And so letting go of those coping mechanisms and taking risk is just like takes a while Mm -hmm. and unlearning that stuff takes a long time. Yeah. What would you say your counterpart to that is Sam? Like, so if Emily's talking about like a question or insecurity or something that was rooted in her pre-marriage that she's like got triggered by marriage, Mm -hmm. what's something in you? Yeah. Uh, I think something for me is, uh, really what we had talked about earlier, but is vulnerability and transparency. So like, for instance, um, uh, I'm trying to think like. It was never rewarded. Vulnerability and transparency. It was never rewarded. rewarded yeah. Um, was it weak as a male? Or no, no. You know, what's weird is I don't think it, it was actually shown to me like growing mm. up, if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. like, um, like there was always, the, the people I grew up with, people I did life with, quality people, like still friends with them today. We yeah. still hang out today. Um, uh, um, and like they definitely care. Like you always have a place to go. However, we were, um, we started friendships based out, out of athletics. Like that was mm-hmm. it. And so we always pushed like, hey, like got to be mentally strong, push past this. So anytime I felt pain, mm. oh, instead of dealing with this and looking inside and saying, okay, what's going on here? I just need to push past it. Yeah. And so what I did really good, or what I, what I learned to do was mm-hmm. self like, um, self-regulate. Yep. A hundred percent. So, yeah. um, uh, or, uh, just not let people into where, yeah, exactly. Like, okay, I feel vulnerable right now. What can I do that I'm good at? So I feel better. Yeah. Like, if that uh, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and so in our marriage, like, especially in California, like I actually, I went through a season of getting over a porn problem, like, mm-hmm. uh, and realize like, okay, like there, there's, I, there for the longest time I white knuckle it. So mm-hmm. essentially, um, like I would just not do it because I know it's wrong. Right. I didn't right. know the root or why I'm not doing it. I don't think I knew what my needs were. Oh, so you had coping mechanisms, I think is what you were saying. Well, yeah. yeah. So you, I mean, you were, because you weren't vulnerable and when you would feel hurt, you would suppress it. And that was normal. So having a porn problem and just white knuckling, it was the same thing that you did through everything. Through in everything. Life. Yep. And mm-hmm. so you had no idea how to access one, yeah. the pain that you were feeling. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So example, uh, how I coped with it and how I, I do cope with it, like in marriage, which obviously we've made like tons of progression mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, um, change, but 
the what I had done was to cope is if I feel tired, vulnerable, whatever, I feel like I should probably share something with Emily. But like, man, I don't want to right now. And so what I want to do is actually give me 20 minutes. Let me just kind of go ahead and not talk about anything, but let me get to the point where I feel like I'm ready and I feel good. Now I can come and play, mm. if that makes sense. Or I can come and make you feel valued and hear about you, but I'm not always going to tell you a ton about me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you Does still, yeah, when you, when you would actually feel something and have this intensity going on inside of you, even if it wasn't very obvious, you yeah. shut it down. And then so that you could get to a presentable place mm-hmm. so that you are fun yeah. to be with and where you are not in need of her to recognize the pain that you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, I think the other thing is prior to M and I, so I was actually previously engaged mm-hmm. and when I was actually dating this person, I also met Jesus like in depth at this time. So I'm getting to know Jesus and then also getting to know this person that now I'm engaged with. And it wasn't good because like both were so coincide as far as my viewpoint of Jesus and her were kind of like interchangeable. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so we had uh, actually like broken off. We were engaged, broken off our engagement. And then after that, I told myself, okay, I'm going to really work on uh, myself Mm -hmm. Um, for the next two years. And so what's crazy is I did, there's a lot of things I did really good. So I'm a three, two, I'm a high achiever. And so I would do all the right steps Mm. to Mm. get better. And there's things, there's no question that I did. Like, uh, there I'm like, I was able to be really vulnerable with like my guys and stuff like that, that I had friendships with, but female, I, I I wasn't Mm. like, that was really tough for me. Mm -hmm. And so then in marriage, that kind of came over. Yep, exactly. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And it hit that thing in Emily that when you wouldn't share is that I'm not enough for him or I'm an inconvenience when it was yeah. totally his own thing. Isn't it weird when our triggers line up like that yeah. and like just fireworks set yeah. each other off? Yeah, and I've realized too, well, when he would come home and and this is still today, but well, he really doesn't have this issue now. But when he would come home and he's like kind of solemn, doesn't want to talk, like in a mood. I would feel the need to fix that. Like Mm. I am, there's a codependency there of I'm not okay when someone else isn't okay. So what's wrong? What needs to be fixed? And that only made things worse. Then I would feel he would kind of be maybe short because I'm continually like, well, what's wrong? Are you in a bad mood? Did something happen? Like just pick, 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 pick at him. And then he might get short with me and it just confirms my, like, you're, you're annoying. You're an Mm. inconvenience like go away and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you guys moved uh, to Indiana about back to Indiana for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2016, August, 2016. Right. Yeah. And you had a lot of transition in your life happening at that time. So list some of those transitions. So I'm in, in the insurance world. Uh, I was an insurance agent for some time and I was pursuing a position with state farm at that point. We found out we were pregnant. I actually didn't get the position with State Farm. Mm-hmm. So we still chose to move to Indiana regardless. <clears throat> right. So that's the early part. So we, uh, so I'm moving to Indiana, no job. We're pregnant. Um, we lived with our friends for, for two or three months. Um, I probably interviewed at that point with like nine different insurance companies. Wow. Um, and M, like moving from 
California Indian, like she didn't have community. I like all her community was my friends. Like yeah. that I had prior and that we've continued a relationship with. So that, that was going on. So my first year, uh, I ended up going with a company called Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance, um, was an agent with them. And so your first year, essentially you're a business owner mm-hmm. and you're building a business, right? Mm-hmm. And that time frame, there's a lot of hours. So like there would be, uh, you know, weeks where I'm working 55, 60 hours consistently mm-hmm. for a long period of time, you know, late night appointments and all of that. Right. So that's year one, right? That's happening. We're pregnant. Um, we, uh, um, I have a brother who gets married, you know, M is, uh, trying to find a job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, during this time, I lost a brother my first year as well. And then, um, am I missing anything? Well, having our, actually house. having our child, yeah. not just yeah. being yeah. pregnant. And that was yeah. in itself a huge transition and struggle on my side with postpartum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's just a lot that happened in a year, like yeah. in 12 months, this yeah. all happened in 12 months. We, the transition, like moving as is, is already tough. Then you add a right. child, but then we also had all the other stressors that you're not supposed to have, right? Like, yeah, like not all at adding it, adding a house, first time in a, like a career. Like, yeah, there's all like of a that list. Um, yeah, my buddy is telling me there's like the the five big stressors, and I think you guys hit the majority of them yeah. in a small span of time, yeah. which is will it will wear past anyone's normal defenses. And then when you guys are at home together, what were you experiencing with each other as a result of that stress? So that first year, honestly. What, we weren't experiencing it yet. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're just kind of getting through. Yeah, the it was like the coaster. calm before the storm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like we we weren't fighting much, and so like I I think we Did had a conversation. Feel connected. I, that's so that's the thing. Okay. So we weren't fighting, but in my mind, like oh, like we're not fighting at all. Like this is like like we're in a really good season. Good. Yeah, we're doing good. But no, like we weren't. We actually weren't connected. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just living as honestly roommates mm. right for a long long period of time mm-hmm. um and we would try to be intentional in certain areas and what that looked like but there's just so much going on you feel so spread yeah. that like our time at home together would be hey let's binge watch something and just chill <laughs> on the couch right, right like right. that and was it really doesn't was work for connection yeah. you know <laughs> no, it doesn't. no it doesn't so um yeah that was that was year one okay um and after my first year uh, as far as our first year, um, when I say my, I'm talking my first year with a company, mm-hmm. um, had a really good year. It was super, super successful. Um, there's a lot of like really cool things that we got to do because of it. However, year one to year two, I personally have never dealt with anxiety um, in my life. Like mm-hmm. never gone through it. Don't know what that like is like. I feel like I do a really good job, um, especially like of just like since having the tools that I had in California, mm-hmm. even my first year of like, Hey, like, here's what's going on with me. At least saying those, if, mm-hmm. if I didn't say to Emily and honestly, in that season, I didn't say a lot of things to Emily because she's got her own thing and she's, she's transitioning from California to Indiana and she, she has you didn't nobody. Want to burden yeah. Her. So I didn't want to pour my junk onto her. Mm-hmm. So I poured it on all my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was where I was processing. So it didn't help their connection because I wasn't letting her inside of anything. Cause right. I was trying to quote unquote protect her in that season. Yeah. Um, but then you did go through a really yeah. intense season of what we figured out was anxiety yeah. where he basically slept for four days, yeah. four days straight. Yeah. So I, um, sorry. So my first year, I thought I was doing a, a good job of processing and I honestly, I wasn't like mm. I was doing a lot of the steps and I would ask 
good questions and I would hear them, but I wouldn't actually apply the homework that was given to me mm. to get better. And so I was just pushing everything down and whether it was on purpose or not, or being busy, you know, whatever that looked like. Mm -hmm. But then I started come, come Thanksgiving of 2017. 17. Towards the end of that, they, during Thanksgiving, I felt something shift like in my heart where I actually felt like I was, uh, like I, I felt, uh, like no emotions really towards Emily for some reason. I didn't know what was going on. So like I would have to actively tell myself, put my arms around her at night because it's like, I don't know what's going on. This is really weird. I like feel like no emotion towards her. And I started feeling no emotion towards a lot of things. And I didn't know what was happening, but I just felt it. Like I woke up one day and I felt it. Mm -hmm. And then it just continued to increase. And my mind went to stop thinking and spinning. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so what happened uh, is really hit hard in January. Um, I was driving and I felt like I couldn't make a decision. And like, back to what Emily said, like, I always try to make decisions. <laughs> like that's something I always do. Right. I feel like I couldn't make a decision. And I didn't tell her about this for like the, the whole two months. Like I still haven't told her about this. So I came home one night and I was like in tears bowling and let her know, like, I don't know what's going on with me. I feel like I'm losing it. Like, I feel like, like, uh, like I can't think straight. I'm overthinking things. I'm trying to figure out how to get out of this and I don't know how. Yeah. And um, we actually had uh, her parents, your your mom and dad over uh, that night because like it scared them. Mm -hmm. She's like, I don't know what the heck to do right now. What's going on? And so uh, they, had, they had come over that night and, um, uh, you know, they prayed over us. We talked through a lot of things. And then after that, I legitimately slept for four straight days, um, uh, read a lot of books. I, I During that time, I listened to worship music. I read my Bible, which I haven't read my Bible in a long time, being honest with you. <laughs> um, and I slept. And then after that, like we seek counseling. I read a lot of books. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I talked to a lot of friends. And I was like, super intentional in talking to Emily during that time. Mm. Um, and so it probably lasted for from that Thanksgiving up through March or April. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then we we met up in Cabo, mm -hmm. like in I oh, think yeah. right at the tail end of that. Yeah. I remember yeah. you telling me about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And we think a lot again because he thought he was doing a good job of processing things, but like one of the, I mean, again, we had our kid, and then his brother gets married. He lost a brother to suicide, and that one in itself was, I think, one of the big triggers. If I remember, yeah, right, it was of, super tough. There's just so many questions. Yeah, of right. processing through that, <laughs> thinking you're doing well. I mean, there's no like perfect formula for how to deal with that kind of grief. And we did, he did, we did the best that we knew how. Um, plus then his job, you got to keep going. You still have to go to work. You got to yeah. produce as a sales. Like you just got to hit the ground running and right. grind and put it, you know, get it. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it's very just, competitive. And I, so we think that, so it was months later, but it was kind of like everything had kind of actually calmed down and mm. normalized. And that's when it seemed to finally hit was this kind of breaking point. You almost, I would wonder if as things start slowing down, all the stuff that had been covered up by maybe busyness mm -hmm. it just didn't have a cover anymore. And mm -hmm. it was like, Oh shit, this there's stuff in me that is, I don't understand or haven't really dealt with. And it just starts surfacing at that mm -hmm. point. Does that sound? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, what's weird is there's definitely some areas for sh sure that I've, I've processed through. There's still some things that I don't quite still understand about sure. that season. Like yeah. I still like, 
uh, I don't go to thinking much about my brother in the suicide process because I don't still know how to process that and what that mm-hmm. looks like. But yeah, there's definitely things that have come up like during that time that was like super helpful. And one of them being the the fact that M and I like I haven't been opening up to her because I've been trying to protect her. Yeah. And so because of that, there's been disconnection in our in our marriage, which means I actually need to like like be okay with knowing that she could get hurt and trust her of how she would deal with pain because she actually does do it really well. Yes. As an individual, but she's built community. She's got quality people she can call. Like she's not afraid to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So that helped because I felt like I wasn't putting so much on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And nor was she asking for that protection. Like, you know, like if I gave her the option, I would, she's probably wanting to be vulnerable. I think I literally said that like, because he would, we figured out, he figured out like, I've been protecting you. I was out of fear, didn't want to burden you with this. And so I was you know, dealing with it this yeah. way. And I'm like, but in doing that, you cause so much more pain for yourself and for us because right. you shoved it down. And instead of dealing with it in the way that would have been like out of trying to protect me, you actually do more harm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it doesn't allow me as a healthy, you know, whole person to come to the table and actually deal yeah. with what he's going through. Right. And I think part of it was probably you protecting me specifically because of I was still in a very intense season of my own mm-hmm. um, postpartum anxiety. And that was why, like, that night when he broke down, I was literally like, I have nothing to, f- I don't know how to actually deal with this because I am going through my own, like, right intense anxiety and it was very scary to me at that time because i was like oh we got two really messed up people in this it was a shit show at the bakers (laughs) (laughs) and a six month old and somehow we're gonna keep her alive through all of this yeah yeah what started turning a corner for you guys in all this yeah so actually the anxiety thing me getting over that was still fine but we we still weren't like crazy connected yet Mm -hmm. and there was still a lot going on in that year too right in the beginning, deal with the anxiety, um, get to a point where I, I feel like I, as an individual, I'm pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, however, that also left with a, like put a lot on Emily that she still had to process through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and M now is really starting to pursue a dream of hers. Um, and so, uh, there's some, her, she's getting ready to start her business. Um, mm-hmm. and so I don't want to take your thunder. I'll let you kind of add. And Just share. tell about the business. Yeah. We haven't talked about that yet. Oh. Um, yeah, so actually it was probably right around that time, shortly after he was getting through his anxiety, we, m- myself and my um, now business partner and best friend, Beth, we started a business, um, a f- home decor and furniture store. Um, and Called House to Home. Called House to Home um, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, but I've always been passionate about interior design and stuff. And when we moved out there, I was like, I was pregnant and just trying to figure out how to, if I was going to be away from my kids, I wanted it to be something that I was passionate about. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to just be going to a nine to five job. And so that was my um, pursuit or we started out um, just as a furniture store. Well, so you, I mean, you started this business and as a furniture store (laughs) went into staging, but really starting any small business and it wasn't small, like you got investors and everything. And that took a ton away from your, 
like yeah. you, you're the time that you guys had. You kind of yeah. switch roles in this. Yeah, you doing that, sixty hours a week. That's true. The in the season in Reading, um, there was a lot of investing in Sam's career, and mm-hmm. I was working for sure. But we were focused on where Sam was heading, and um, pers- his he had a lot of tests that he had to take and study for, and developing his business plan and all this stuff. And it was a huge focus on him, and it did shift. Um, to then focusing on building my dream and my passion. And um, in that, it required him. I worked every Saturday for a year. I mean, we were open Thursday through Saturday. And so I worked every weekend, which meant he was at home with Kinley. And he was very supportive. Like, he wants me to pursue my dream. He was behind it 100%. But when the rubber meets the road, it still causes tension. And it still is it's hard. Difficult. Yeah. Um, when, again, back to the, I'm not okay when others aren't okay. I come home then on a Saturday and I can just see he is done and he's frustrated, but not, it wasn't actually at me, but what I took is he's mad at me because I l- am pursuing my dream, which forces him to stay at home. He's mm-hmm. like losing his freedom. He's having to take care of Kinley and it's my fault. It's my yeah. fault. That's what constant. It's this introspective, like it's my fault. Yeah, and it goes back to the same cycle. So, M's pursuing something. I want to support it, and we actually we did flip a little bit. But actually, in all reality, I was in year two of yeah. being an insurance agent. I'm still trying to build. So you're still so doing. I'm that still thing. going really hard. Yeah, like I'm still putting in a lot of hours, meeting with a lot of people. Like that's still happening. So nothing's actually changing in my mm. world as far as the work world. Now my weekends. Uh, are no longer there like the cherished the weekend. cherished weekends yeah because it's something i look forward to right and and having that that's not there and i want to do everything i can to support emily because i actually like i'm so excited for her and i found myself uh, once again not expressing or talking to her really about it didn't know how to and then i've also found myself in a shame cycle of like when i would i would tell myself okay when she gets home don't act like act like today was awesome Right. And then I wouldn't, and she would feel it. And then there'd be that tension. And then I would be upset with myself because Mm -hmm. I like, I just now probably made her feel bad Mm -hmm. and I'm actually wanting to support her, but I don't know how the heck they do this right now because I feel like my responsibilities increase, but my time decreased and it was really, really tough for me. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard. Where did you see this start to shift? Because you guys are definitely like Jenna and I, when we went on vacation with you guys, we talked about it afterwards. Like they look like they're in a good place. Like, mm-hmm. cause we had been around to when, Vegas. Uh, I, I don't remember. It might've even been the year before or something, but okay. definitely like I noticed at Vegas, like they're prior to that. I could see the tension at different times mm-hmm. and the way that you guys were kind of short with each other. And so, um, I saw a big difference mm-hmm. in the last like year or so, maybe yeah. even more, but. Yeah, I would say it's been like in the last year and a half to two years. Um, Part of it, so we did seek counseling, and it wasn't that necessarily we found these amazing counselors, because in fact, we actually didn't. We found ones that didn't work out very well for us. They sucked. They sucked. (laughs) Um, They're probably wonderful people, but for us, we're not a proper fit. Mm -hmm. But the point is we were focused on our marriage and Mm. being Mm -hmm. in counseling, even though I like literally I'm like, I don't remember a thing the counselor said, but we still got things that we took away from it because of our own intentionality of focusing on our marriage. And it caused 
conversations. And I think that was one of our big epiphanies was literally at on the way home from one of the counselors that we were both like, well, we're never seeing him again. Um, and you had that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the things and you and I have already had this conversation as far as Aaron um, M like back in the day, she felt like she was tortured by Aaron. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and she felt like she didn't have a voice. Hence like the joking, like the, the spit on the forehead thing. Right. As an example. Um, and so for the longest time, as, as we were listening to this um, counselor that wasn't very good, uh, I got to thinking about some things though. And I realized, Oh man, like every time we fight uh, and M's like, we need to talk now. Uh, I don't want to talk now. I put everything in my arena where it's on my timeline and when I'm ready to, and then I go talk to her. Um, and, and you know, at that point she's pissed off and she's not really wanting to talk or she is, but now she has a process through to be actually willing to hear. And I never actually meet her somewhere in the middle. And so what I've done for so long, I didn't realize was I was actually taking her voice away. And so uh, when we fight, our fights are super intense. Like I'm super like passive aggressive and cutting and she gets to the point where she's yelling. Well, the reason why she's yelling is because she's not feeling like she's being heard or mm-hmm. that I'm not meeting her there. And mm-hmm. so I realized, Oh, I'm doing what Aaron used to do to you Oh wow! Um, back in the day. <laughs> so, <I'm> so sorry, <laughs> but, but the, it's true. Like where I like, I'm like, Oh, I'm bullying you. I'm not mm. meaning to bully you, but I'm bullying you right, right. now. Um, because when it's convenient for me, then we do right process something. Or talk and about it something. was definitely so, this feeling of helplessness. Like there's no amount of any, like I just keep trying to say something in a different way to get yeah. through to him and it doesn't work. And it's just bottles up until this point of it comes out as rage mm-hmm. and wanting it. But we figured out is this feeling of powerlessness that you do not hear me. And the only way I can get you to hear me is if I just get louder in mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. And more intense. Yeah. Um, so that him having that recognition, I think was a huge turning point for us. Um, mm. we did then meet with some friends, um, and just kind of opened up and invited them in on the process. Um, and I think that was huge for us is just having a community where we could feel. Yeah. Hurt. Yeah. I think that's the thing is all the practical things you can do. Mm. Like we actually started reading a book together, like, mm. um, about sex specifically, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um about yeah. So like we started reading a book about sex, like, and, uh, that was really good. Um, we both were seeing a counselor. We invited friends. We um, were a lot more intentional as far as talking to friends or shooting a text. Like, um, you know, M and her business partner become like, have been really, really close. And so it's not just about business for them. Like they get mm-hmm. really deep and mm-hmm. ask each other really good questions. Um, uh, her husband, who I'm really close with, we met every single day, every single Friday mm. for like, year and a half until things happen with work stuff that we couldn't, but we would challenge each other. And so there's just so many practical things that we started putting in place that started helping us bridge that connection gap. Yeah. Back. So that's so good. So what do you guys like about each other now? Um, I love that Sam makes anybody that he is talking to, hanging out with, meeting for the first time, feel like they are the most special person in the world and they are the most interesting person, even though I know we're talking about me feeling like nobody likes me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that again, though, that was what I was attracted to right, and yeah. probably what drew me in. And so why it also then hurt maybe more when he didn't do well, you, those things. To you me. know, what's interesting is you're like, he's going to answer the question. <laughs> for me yes. uh, so, yeah. For that yeah 
But anyways, th- yeah, that is very yes. true. Um, yeah, his just ability to connect, and it's not fake. Yeah. It yes. is yeah. 100% genuine, like his ability to adapt and connect with people. He could be talking to um, my younger brother, who's really into games, and maybe Sam knows nothing about it, but he can figure out how to connect with them on that mm-hmm. level. And then also, he's just very funny. Um, we have a couple friends that I literally, their wives say they do not laugh like this around anybody except Sam. Mm, um, and so his great. ability to have fun and make everybody enjoy themselves. It's something I love. Yeah. It's uh, so, some of my favorite things about Em is it's still one of my favorite things is like her sympathy and empathy. Mm. Um, like I legitimately before meeting Emily didn't cry for the longest time. And uh, I still remember like our dating season. It was the first time I cried when I saw her like leave the plane. I almost cried right now. Wow. And uh, like, um, yeah. So that was like that's one of my, always been one of my favorite things. But things that I really have seen and love about her now is her confidence. Like, mm, like her, yeah. like the thing that she's been fighting for for so long. Like you actually see the mm-hmm. fruit of it today. Like she's just she's just so confident. And but yet she still has her sympathy and empathy. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. she just does that really well. Um. And so it's one of my favorite things about it for sure. So good. Yeah, yeah. Emily. So I remember us uh, having one of our date nights back when I was in third year and you were in first mm-hmm. year, and getting this picture of you like at that time you were struggling with your self-confidence and Mm -hmm. getting this picture i was like i see you as this really confident person and it was it was so cool it's been so cool to go oh my gosh that has happened like it's done and so like there's having hard conversations with people like running a business having employees like duking it out with the delivery guy when he doesn't do what he's supposed to do like the amount of badassery that you are like walking in these days is just like so light years from like middle school and like the amount of confidence that you've built up it's just awesome yeah that's so true thanks guys yeah (laughs) now you get to use that confidence and tell us an awkward sex story (laughs) um Actually, you said it earlier in the podcast talking about our honeymoon. I think that could be one of our awkward sex stories. The honeymoon. Or honeymoon, our wedding night of the wedding. And all the sex that (laughs) didn't happen. Oh, yeah. It wasn't good at all. (laughs) So, oh, man. Okay. Uh, So, our wedding, uh, all my friends are from Indiana, right? Wedding's actually in California. (laughs) And in in Redding, California, uh, those of you who are not like familiar with this area, like uh, there's Lake Shasta. So there's tons of lakes around here. And so I was so freaking jacked to hang out with the guys and get a houseboat and just play cards, drink cigars, have bourbon, just all of the that. The three right? days the, leading up to Yeah, the three days. So <laughs> so excited. Um, and in that, I planned all these cool things with the guys, but I totally uh, forgot to plan some awesome stuff for our wedding night. <laughs> I.e., he yeah. hadn't packed a bag. So nope. after our wedding, where did we go? Went to uh, a house I no longer live in and <laughs> dug through some boxes oh. to make sure I had some clothes. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. And this makes me feel better about our wedding night. Oh. <laughs> so didn't pack. Um, and then we get to the hotel. I had uh, no candles, no flowers, no chocolates, no lube, no toys, nothing, right? Like, I'm Absolutely gonna. Nothing. I'm gonna say part of this is on your 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 groomsmen because they somebody should have told you, bro. Yeah, you have true. this covered. Probably, it's yeah. true. Uh, <laughs> and some yeah. of them were married, so yeah, I blame them. Yeah, they were so, all hungover. So I hair. had I had I had no lube, right? And yeah. of course, I'm like like I need to get lube. Like I, I don't know. This is like well, 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways. So I was like, okay, who can I hit up? So I called buddy and, um, he's like, yeah, I got some, I'll bring it. Like I, I'm pretty sure my wife packs some. So, uh, he leaves wherever they're at and brings it over to where we are. Right. And, uh, I, M's like a little upset. She's actually really upset. <laughs> She's in the bathroom crying. I can hear him. I was like, this sucks. How can I make this great? Oh, yeah. So that's Aww. when I called Nate to get some lube and, or oh, dang, it, I just said his name. <laughs> I'll bleep. <laughs> okay. So anyways, I call a friend and he brings me lube. Well, uh, we didn't know until later. Uh, I don't know well, if you want to share yes, this story, so this part of it. At yeah. this point, I'm coming out of the bathroom trying to compose myself like, okay, let's move on with the night and actually move on to this thing that's yeah. called sex that um, <laughs> is supposed to be magical and wonderful. And he, I knew at this point he had borrowed some lube and whatever. So we get going and i've never used lube before so i don't know what it's supposed to feel like but i can promise you it's not supposed to burn (laughs) oh no was it a bro she put it in a old shampoo bottle mouthwash no yeah so alcohol in it holy crap it was so bad so she's just burning i'm like what's happening i don't know what to do Oh my god! Freaking <laughs> oh wow! Yep. It was yeah. so miserable. The perfect so story. Was it that, was. So they they put it in a mouthwash so bottle. She, she had yeah. rinsed it out. Yeah. So yeah. they traveled from Indiana. Uh, yeah. They were still. And they were just going to hand you the bottle of lube that they had just previously. No, she packed. No, she packed. That was her travel pack yeah. of lube. Because wow, I don't she, know. Did that happen for her too? No, no because we borrowed it. We used it first. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so she had Emily. she rinsed it out, cl- cleaned it out as much as she thought, and oh. yes, it was not. Oh enjoyable. yeah. So needless to say, that we were done. At oh point. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy but crap. you know what? At least your vagina was minty fresh. Yeah. <laughs> it sure was. It was sanitized and minty fresh. Wow. Well, thanks for being on, guys. Yeah. Thanks for love you. Right. So Emily and Sam, um, it was a great fun. It was fun because we didn't have to do it over Zoom because they were here yeah, they in were. person. So we definitely capitalized on that. Um, yeah, I love the the things that kept coming up over and over was the uh, unans- unanswered questions that are inside of us that we are constantly looking for other people to answer. Um, and so... And then getting pain, not actually realizing they're there. Most, I mean, like ninety percent of people don't realize that they're trying to get the answers. And then when they're looking for the spouse, the answer in their spouse, spouse, wow, lisp much. Um, (laughs) They have pain when they're not answered, but it's really because it's hitting this question in them. Yeah. So, and we've talked about this before, but one of the big unanswered questions in myself that I am working on, actively working on answering, um, is: Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Uh, and so wait, I'm going to tell mine. Mine is, um, am I failing? Mm, Yeah. And then, so then I I literally think I'm failing him. I like have this list when Mm. I'm feeling stressed and I'm like, I'm failing them. I'm failing that area. I'm failing whatever. That's interesting because that wasn't what I thought. Like the one I've, I have heard you say before, and I have multiple questions as well, but, um, was, (laughs) I'm really broken. guys. (laughs) So many questions, um, was, Am I am I worth your efforts? Like, am I worth mm-hmm. pursuing? Because um, obviously that comes up quite a bit. Um, and so, yeah. Anyways, the anytime that you would, you know, tell me uh, like something you need, like expressing a need, just very basic, uh, crucial to having a marriage, uh, any relationship. 
but your expression of needs, because actually you, I mean, I think we made an agreement when we got married, which is you don't have any needs and I have them all. Um, and you have started to break that agreement. <laughs> by, I'm the worst. By having needs. Uh, and being like, no, babe, my while, turn. <laughs> while I know this is a good thing, it like it's disrupting the system that we had created unknowingly. I'm laughing because me getting a job and needing you to take care of the kid, like take yes. more of the care. It's probably like why it's a little easier because I'm hiding behind him. Like, don't be mad at me. Be mad at the yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> and but it's I've when you express a need, I suddenly what I've this uh, this question of do I have what it takes? Am I enough? Um, am I good enough for you? Is answered in that moment, and it's nope. You're not. And so yeah. when the, a lot of these things get answered with the thing that isn't one, not true, and it is the most painful, um, because honestly, it, even if I hear the answer, like you've told me many, many, many times, like, oh, you are enough, you're good enough, and you're doing a good job. Um, and yet the question still sits out there. And the fact that the question still sits out there um, means there there's some unhealed pain. There's mm-hmm. some... Uh, there's some things I, I that question didn't start with you. That question has been around since I was a kid. And it, I think even I think question would make you think that it could be answered by like an answer would fix it, but it's not. It really is like linked to an identity pain point yeah. that has to be. It's when resolved. it's when I have this unanswered question and I'm looking for you to answer it, regardless if it's in the affirmative, like yes you are or no you aren't. Um, it will never help because that question is something only God can answer for me. Um, am I good enough? And and even if I heard, you know, like God say, yes, you are. It's something that I actually I need I need him and I need resolved within myself. Like I, I need to walk know. it out. Like yes, it, yeah. it's rarely this like conversion where it's like from I that's believe true. it now. I'm done. It's like nope, this is that the thing I'm working on. I'm yeah, choosing to believe really it. It's good. almost like until you get it's, you can make some good big strides in going like, oh, wow, I had like an experience with God or even an experience with people sometimes where it starts to change that, where you go, oh, maybe I am enough. Um, or for you, like, hey, maybe I am not failing. Maybe I'm actually doing, doing a really best. good, doing yeah. my best and I'm doing a really good job and doing my best is actually what's a, is success for yeah. me. And I so got a little bit, <laughs> I'm going to have to unpack that in a second. I'm like, yeah, I think you Oh, just, that's good. Um, and so even though we can have these moments that propel us forward, it still requires like the walking of it out. You know, I was thinking of, um, yeah. not thinking of, I, I read in this book by Andrew Bauman, um, called stumbling towards wholeness. He talks about the, the guy at the, um, at the pool, the healing pools of Bethsaida, I think it was. So Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, do you want to be well? And the guy's like, well, nobody's helped me into the pool because I'm lame and I've been sitting here forever. And um, But his the, his question to this guy was, do you want to be well? And what he could have said was, because if you're well, that means you are no longer going to be relying on people for your very basic needs. You actually have to be a contributing member to society. Mm. Is that something you actually want? Because there's so much of the the unanswered questions that we have that has allowed us to interact with the world in a way that we control, in a way that we're most comfortable. And so... And victims. Yes. So it's like we're powerless, so then we're not responsible right. for the badness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's out of our control. Yeah, and so hearing, like, we have these moments of, like, say, healing. 
Um, but it's going to like the guy at the, uh, at the pool, as soon as he was healed, he has to get up and now he actually has to live a completely mm. different life. So there was the, my feet don't work, but then there's also like, I'm healed now there, but I have to learn a new way of living life. That is the same for us. Like I can be healed of this lack of an answer and go, oh no, I am good enough, but I will be confronted with that again. And I get, mm. I have to, I have to actually walk it out now and go, okay, no, this is a chance. This is a point where I would normally um, start to spiral. I would normally start to go yeah. into shame. I would normally start to um, step back into the the pain of that and sit in it and f- get lost in it. And I can go, no, I'm I'm just I'm going to believe that I am good enough. I'm going to believe that I have what it takes and start live, walking that out, even if it's difficult. So. Yeah, you know it's interesting because. I'm walking out one of mine right now. And I was asking our therapist, I was like, okay, so do I, what do I tell myself or what? And he was like, the first step is just recognizing the question. Mm. And it's not actually, it's like, you're trying to skip too many steps. If you go to then what's this thing? I mantra, I tell myself, you know, what's the counter action step? How do I fix it? How do I fix it? How do I fix it? And he was like, nope, just recognize it and practice like, self-compassion and empathy when you realize like oh that's so sad that that's your default or you know like true empathy not like yeah you're not patronizing yes that's it (laughs) no that the the taking the time to wreck to be curious um and to give yourself compassion like it's curiosity over contempt Mm. and so when i when i start to feel when i start to spiral when i start to anything being able to get really good at going Huh? What's happening right now? What? What? What's? What's? What? What's going on beneath the surface? Like I, I'm actually that's self care in that you stop and you don't allow yourself to just spin out or live life in the midst of that, but you actually give it time and space to go. What? Why is this happening? And what's happening inside of me? And when I go, oh, yep, there's that question again. The more I recognize it, the easier it is to recognize yeah. going forward. And it almost like takes its wind out of it. It's like, you're like, oh, this is that again. It makes it less scary, like, because it makes it familiar. So it almost takes like. It's kind of like revealing Oz behind the curtain. Yes. You're like, you've been controlling me for so long. Yeah, you're like, oh, man, the big face is back. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait. Oh, wait, it's this dude. And he's like, he's like, oh, crap. Don't look. Don't look back here. And I think that's what. It takes its power away. yeah. Yeah, it takes the power away. That's interesting because I was going to say that about even with like when we discover when we have conflict or pain like Mm. conversations and then i feel usually it's like i get a reaction that's bigger than i expect what the conversation Mm. is like and it's your a lot of times it's been your unanswered before this before you kind of realize that you had the you were hearing um that i'm not not enough i'm good enough um anyways now it's like oh it's that thing so i don't get aggressive times 10 aaron because you've identified it and then like oh i know what to do with that yeah. or like, and i can actually it's easier to sh- it's easier to get to softer emotions in those moments because i can say to you i am i'm hearing that thing again that i'm not enough and and that is like a vulnerable space yeah. rather than actually trying to convince you that i am enough mm-hmm. with my words and my loudness yeah that's so true yeah good stuff all right love you you beat me to it I love you too. I don't know why I can't do it. Now the kids are starting to do weird voices and I'm like, I'm passing it on. They're going to be weirdos just like me. <laughs> love you. Love you.